Contract damages, you sue somebody under a contract, who's paying legal fees? Unless it's in the contract that the losing party pays attorney's fees, you're paying your own. You're paying your own way. Welcome to Biz Build Podcast, presented to you by the good folks here at Diamondback Tool Company. I'm the host of the show, Damani, head of sales and media for Diamondback Tool Belts. Follow me at Diamondback underscore Damani, that's D-A-M-A-N-I on Instagram. I'm here, as I will be on every episode, with Connor Crook, CEO of Diamondback Tool Belts. Follow him on Instagram at Diamondback.toolbelts. The purpose of BizBuild is to provide listeners an inside track on what it takes to build a business. It is our hope that you can learn from our successes and pitfalls and siphon knowledge from our various expertise so that you can get an edge in the business of building something great. Right. So, uh, well, the government's going to take a good chunk of your money mm-hmm. because if you're self-employed, your employer is not paying that payroll tax for you. You get to pay self-employment tax. Darn. Yeah, so making $75,000 as a self-employed person and making $75,000 as an employee are very, very different things because that seventy five that you got, yeah, you had to pay your Social Security tax, that 7.51%, but you didn't pay that 18% payroll tax. Mm-hmm. Now you are. Um, Great day. Yeah. Generally, you can assume if you are a small business person and you're making under $100,000, about 25% of that is not coming to you. Mm-hmm. Now... Where else is your money going to go um, in terms of taxation? Well, if you are an LLC, um, a single member, you're just going to file that just like you would if you were a sole proprietorship. For taxation purposes, it doesn't matter. An LLC is what's called a pass-through tax, pass-through entity for taxation purposes, which means an LLC doesn't pay taxes. Mm. The, the member of the LLC does. Mm. That's yeah. confusing to me. I'm sure you're going to get more deeply into that. Uh, maybe you're not, but that's really confusing to me. So the the company itself is not paying the tax. I'm as an individual paying the tax. Correct. So does that mean that I'm now paying taxes twice on no. tax time? No, that means that you are pay. That means that all the income into the business mm-hmm. is your personal income, mm-hmm. and you just pay taxes on that. You pay income tax. You pay the, the oh, I see. Self employment okay. tax, what have you. Right. Uh, what it also means is um, you can't say. Well, I left all that money in the business, and I didn't actually bring it home to pay for my wife and kids. You know, I just left it in the business, and it's in the business's bank account. Mm-hmm. Doesn't work that way. The money came into the company. It's your income. Now, you can write off against that in terms of your business expenses that right. are expenses of the business, but you can't just leave the money in the business bank account and say, I, I, I never got it. that. Yeah. <laughs> you can't tax me for that. Mm-hmm. Don't work that way. Uh-huh. Now, on the other hand, we, we go back to C&D LLC, Connor and Damani LLC. Now we need to hire an accountant for sure. We needed to have an accountant before, but now things are getting more complicated because we have to, we have, to have a, an accountant do, they will file a, do a, a set of taxes for the LLC. Mm-hmm. But the LLC doesn't pay those taxes. Mm-hmm. The LLC has to file a form and they're prepared. And then out of the LLC comes a K-1 form and the K-1 is a partnership or limited liability company member tax form. And what that means is, okay, our, our company made $100,000. And per our agreement, Damani worked harder than Connor. So Damani gets 60% and Connor gets 40%. Yes. And I pay taxes on 40% of the income. You pay taxes on 60% of the income. Again, we can't just leave it. We can't just leave it in the company and say, well, we didn't get it. Right. No, it came into the business. Therefore, we then have to pay taxes on it. 
per the allotment of the money, which is in our agreement somewhere. And that's important because when the company itself fills out its specific tax forms, that's creating a paper trail that's showing the the, the legitimacy of the transactions of the company. Yeah, there's a paper trail now. Yeah. Um, so... Uh, from a liability perspective, the LLC is going to protect your personal assets. If you are sued based on the contract that the company was engaged in, mm-hmm. um, it can also protect your uh, assets in a uh, in a tort fight. A tort meaning something that's an injury that's not based on contract, such as punching somebody in the face. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> as long as it was done in the course of the business, you know, if you punch right. somebody. Um, and then it's my kind of business, Connor. <laughs> Well, there's other. If your employee goes and punches somebody in the face, then you may have an argument to say, "I didn't pay him to punch somebody in the face, right. so go sue him and don't sue my company." Right on. Uh, you get into a lot of liability issues there. That's a whole separate topic on liability issues for your company that are caused by your employees, mm-hmm. as opposed to you, you and you. He's not owner. under contract to be a pugilist. Right. Um. There's all sorts of laws about when the company can be liable for damages caused by the employees. You know, a, a, a common one is, you know, now I'm the boss, you're my employee, and I say, hey, Damani, uh, I need you to run over to the shop and pick up some screws. Mm-hmm. On the way there, you get in an accident. Okay, that's a company problem. Right. Different story. Hey, Damani. I need you to run over to the store and get some screws. Well, Damani says, mm, you know, traffic's kind of light today. I can probably make it to the bar and grab a beer before I go get those screws. Mm-hmm. Now, Damani has veered out of his job responsibilities, and I, as the company owner, may be able to escape liability for the wreck that you caused because, A, you went outside of your business responsibility. You drove out of the way. Right. And, two, you were drinking. Yeah. So I got two arguments now for, hey, it ain't my fault. I'm going to fire the guy, but right. it ain't no, my fault. Go after that dude. He's a dummy. Right. So those are uh, some of the basics in terms of a limited liability company, but it um, there are some issues that you need to be concerned about. And, and you mentioned earlier what you can use the money to pay for. Mm-hmm. So there are a couple of ways you can lose the protection of an LLC. All right. First, commingling of funds. Commingling of funds means uh, money came into C&D LLC's bank account, and Connor decided, you know, uh, man, I want to go get some uh, tickets to this concert that's coming up. And I go buy these tickets, and I go off, and I take some of the money to the show. I buy a bunch of beer, and blah, 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 blah. Mm -hmm. I'm now commingling funds. I'm taking business funds that have not been yet appropriated to me, mm-hmm. and I'm spending them for a non-business purpose. Okay. So where, where people get caught up on this is they get a business credit card, mm-hmm. and they start buying personal stuff on the business credit card. Hey, man, I get extra points if I buy stuff on my business credit card. Right. But well, when you start using your business credit card to buy for your personal stuff, then you are commingling those funds. You have to – it's a simple paper trail. It's formalistic, but you got to do this. You take your monthly draw or however it is that you pay yourself out of the LLC. You put that money in your personal bank account, and then you can spend it for whatever you want to. Mm-hmm. But don't take the money directly. But don't skip the step. Don't skip a step. Another thing that um, you get in trouble for um, uh, is commingling of funds. There are other things where— Like fraud or something? 
Fraud is a real tricky one. Um, I litigated this case many times here in Virginia um, that contracts do not, I think we said, talked about this on the contract thing, no contract I've ever seen in years of practicing law says that I have to be nice to you. Right. Doesn't even say that I can't lie to you. It right. just says, I'm going to do this work. Yeah. The difference is I cannot tell a lie to you before the contract to convince you I can do the work when probably I can't. Oh, I see. That's called fraudulent inducement. Mm -hmm. So what happens is... You're you about to have this baby. <laughs> well, what happens is we get in sort of this contract negotiation. We get in this contractual situation, and I'm doing some work for you, and I sell you a total load of crap about why. Well, I didn't get to that this week because I was doing this and I'm sorry, I'm going to get to it next week and da, 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 da. And you're losing patience with me and you're just like, I want to sue that guy because he's lying to me. It's fraud. That's not fraud. That is not fraud. That is a contract a that's going sideways. Yeah, that's just a douchebag. So in Virginia, there's a very strict law that says once we are in that contractual relationship any act in the furtherance of or related to that contractual relationship, the only suit you have against me is in contract. Mm. And therefore, you can only sue my company. Right. Now, on the other hand, if I said, yeah, Damani, you need me to build that house for you? Ah, no problem. I'm good at that. I'm, I'm, I'm good. Mm -hmm. And I know going in, I have no ability to complete this contract. I have fraudulently induced you into the contract, and therefore you cannot just sue me on the contract. You can sue me for fraud. Mm. And the benefit of suing someone for fraud is a couple of things. Um, claims of fraud are generally, uh, you know, you sue me in contract, and I then my business closes up. I'm like, yeah, sorry, I'm bankrupt. Mm -hmm. You get rid of any contractual damages. Generally speaking, they are dismissed in a Chapter 7 bankruptcy. On the other hand, a claim for fraud can survive bankruptcy. Oh, shoot. I did not know that. Yeah. So so if I have a judgment against me based in fraud, even if I go file bankruptcy and say, hey, sorry, I lose all my assets. I don't have any money anymore. Your judgment may be able to survive that. Well, that makes sense because if fraud takes place prior to the contract being signed, then that means that the contract that you signed with the company is null and void at that point. Yeah. It's not null and void, but you got, you're going up the right Null and void is a particular legal thing, but I don't know legal terms. Right, but you're going up the right tree. Mm -hmm. um, also, that means you can sue me personally under fraud, which a lot opens up the case of punitive damages. Um, in some states, you can get attorney's fees for for uh, fraud mm -hmm. that you cannot get under contract. That's a very important thing. Contract damages, you sue somebody under a contract, who's paying legal fees? Unless it's in the contract that the losing party pays attorney's fees, you're paying your own. You're paying your own way. Yeah. You got to think about that. Before you go sue somebody, you got to figure whatever judgment I get, and part of that's going to my lawyer. Is it worth it? Right. Am, <laughs> am I going to get enough money to pay my lawyer and then pay myself at the end of the day? Exactly. Sure, Damani, I'd be happy to take that case for you. If you want to get $10,000? Great. Probably going to cost you about, you're going to pay me fifteen to get there. Mm. Are you happy? Because yeah. I'm happy. <laughs> you know. You're tuned in to the Biz Build Podcast. I'm Damani. And I'm Connor Crook. And, I mean, and I think a lot of companies use that as a deterrent for you actually trying to sue them. It's going to cost you more money to sue. Like, I can't sue a credit card company, I mean, for $50 over it, um, you know, fee that they took from me that was, you know, not correct because 
it's going to cost me more money to it sue It also them. says in the five print of the contract that you signed that you agree not to sue them. You agree to go to arbitration in an arbitration setting that is created by the credit card industry mm-hmm. in New York City, which is not where you live. So, yeah, 50 bucks, forget about it. Oh, that's what was on that four-page piece of paper that came with my credit card contract yeah. that I didn't read. So, anyway, so... LLC, you're going to protect yourself from any damages that arise during the contract. Um, it limits your liability there, and it create, but it does create a separate tax structure that is going to cost you a little bit of money. To you know, the accountant's going to have to do a little bit more work for you, um, so there's a, there's a cost in there. Mm-hmm. Now you take it to the next level, and you say, okay, limited liability company. I want I want full liability. What are you talking about? Um, so the most the more sophisticated step then is to create a corporation. And yeah, was, that, that was going to be my next question. Like, what's the difference between a corporation and a li- limited liability company or a corporation? So, um, a limited liability company, the people that uh, start the limited liability company are called members. So, we're a, I'm a member, you're a member, and we may have we may, one of us I have may, a member. <laughs> one of us may be nominated between the two of us to be the manager, or both of us can okay. be a manager. And so, within your agreement, you know, we talk about partnership agreements. Um, in, in most states, I believe, that a limited liability company, by law, you have to have an agreement. Okay. Um, again, if it's more than one, because, you know, single member, you don't have to have an agreement because yeah. you ain't got to have an agreement with yourself. Right. But it, that's not, I don't have to have a contractual agreement in a partnership, though. No. Okay. It's a, it's a very wise thing to do, but you don't have to. Okay. Just making sure. Nobody's going to make you not be stupid. Mm-hmm. In a... Uh, in a multi-member li- limited liability company, most states are going to require you to have a membership agreement. And but then when we go to a corporation, a corporation, um, e- there are various kinds of corporations. You can have what's called a closely held corporation, which is generally when members of a family own a business. It might be a closely held corporation, like the Duponts or something <clears throat> like that. Early on, yes. yeah. Um, but then it later becomes a publicly traded corporation where people can buy and sell stocks on the uh, shares on, on the stock exchange. Mm-hmm. If the three of us sitting in this room were to form a corporation, then it would pro- then it would be a privately held corporation, which means we're not issuing shares on a stock exchange or anything like that. And it would probably be deemed closely held. Different states will have different rules on what it what that means. Mm-hmm. You know, it may mean we're all members of the same family, which we're obviously not. It may mean that a we human have human family. It may mean that we have some other close l- relationship. The perp the the o- the overall idea of a closely held corporation as opposed to a larger entity or even a publicly traded one is for valuation. Um, we're probably going to have in our agreement, um, and you you should have this in a limited liability company agreement, but you would definitely have this in a corporate agreement when you have a closely held corporation is, okay, well, if Damani dies, mm-hmm. I don't really want to have, I like Damani's wife, but I don't want to be in a business with her. Mm-hmm. So that would mean that we would have a relationship. We probably own, the corporation would have an insurance policy on Damani. Mm-hmm. So if Damani passes away, the beneficiaries of that corporate, that policy would be Mike and me. Mm-hmm. And then we would pay Laura to take your interest back. Oh, okay. So she gets the value of your interest, mm-hmm. but we don't become in a, cor- in a closely held relationship with her. Right. Um, My wife's a firecracker. 
You don't want to do business with her. She'll eat you alive. <laughs> and so, you know, any kind of small business where you have partners and whatever, you want to think about succession. What happens to somebody if, if they pass away, if they become disabled and can't work anymore? What happens if they just decide, I want to leave? Um, one of the problems with a closely held corporation is valuing the interest in a closely held corporation. Because if we're all three in a business together and we kind of have it, okay, Damani does the interview, Connor does the talking, and Radio Mike does the recording. We've all got a role there. Right. The average guy on the street mm-hmm. who can't fill one of those roles, that a third of that corporation is worth nothing to that person. Mm-hmm. So when you think about a closely held corporation, you have to think about how you're going to value uh, that portion of the business that would pass to someone and then how you're going to buy that person out. Or um, or if there are lots of other reasons why, okay, so Damani is now going to get a, a loan. Mm-hmm. You're going to go down to the bank. Yeah. And you're going to say, hey, banker. And they say, well, what are your assets? And you say, well, I own my house with my wife and I got a car and I own a third of this great company called the BizBuild Podcast. Mm-hmm. And the banker's going to look at you like, What's the free market value of that? Uh, and so when you're trying to value that asset for purposes of you just going out and getting a loan or your business, you want to claim on your personal app business application, I, I own a part of this business. What's it worth? Right. It's not easily saleable. You can't just go out and sell your, you know, we may even have a restriction that says you cannot sell your third of the business until you have first offered it to Mike and me. Right. And if we say, screw you, go sell it, then you can go sell it. But so there could be restrictions. Anyway, so again, whole other topic. So the corporation is going to have more rules about the ownership and the governorship than an LLC. It's going to provide us more uh, protection from uh, liability, just like an LLC will still be protected. But now on taxation purposes, uh, you have different, you have some Corporations that uh, are very limited in their scope, they can their their restrictions on how many members and how many shares and whatnot. That type of corporation can still be a pass through entity, mm-hmm. which means that just like an LLC, we get a K one from our accountant that says you pay this much and you pay this much. Right, we're still paying our individual taxes there. Right, but then there's but there's also, uh, or and so then there are rules about how that entity can pay us. Mm-hmm. And then, then there's what you might call a true corporation when you think of, like, you know, Amazon. Right. And that type of entity, then the, the company itself pays tax. Mm. The only pet tax that we pay, well, if we, if we pay ourselves by terms of a salary. We've got to pay taxes we're on our pay salary. taxes on salary. Right. But then there's also what if we take a dividend? Mm-hmm. We say, well, you know, we're not taking a monthly salary. We're getting a dividend once or twice a year based on the revenues of the business, and then we're going to pay ourselves – you know, 10% of whatever the revenues is, we'll pay ourselves that as a dividend. Mm-hmm. Well, that becomes a capital gain, and it is taxed differently mm-hmm. than income. If you're interested in politics, which we try not to talk about too much on this show, yeah, that capital gain is taxed at a much, lar- a much lower rate than the income that you earn. Mm-hmm. So when you think about where you want to be on the scheme, there's the person who works and gets a paycheck, they pay a lot more income tax. Mm-hmm based on their salaries or their income. If you are the type of person who is living on the 
dividends that you receive from your investments, you are paying a much lower interest rate on those capital gains. And that type of person that will be living on the dividends is probably much richer than the person that's working for a salary. I didn't say that. I did. <laughs> Tune into the next episode of the BizBuild podcast for part two of this conversation. You won't want to miss it. You've just been listening to the BizBuild podcast. I'm your host, Damani. Follow me on Instagram at Diamondback underscore Damani. That's D-A-M-A-N-I. Or follow Connor on Instagram at Diamondback.ToolBelts. You can also find more about Diamondback by visiting our YouTube page or Facebook page. Hope you enjoyed what you heard here today, and we look forward to you joining us again on our next episodes. Take care. Don't forget to like and subscribe.